Hey love, thank you so much for dropping into Time in the Studio today where we dig into creativity and healing and provide tools to support you to become the most radiant version of yourself. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller, artist, herbalist, floral designer, and podcaster in Boulder, Colorado, and I love chatting with earth and heart-centered creatives and sharing these chats with you. Thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, big hug Thanks and shout out to everybody for listening, sharing, commenting, supporting uh, the podcast and my work in so many ways. And yeah, I have a new little free gift. I designed this planner. I love doing morning pages. I might do an episode about that at some point, but I love just waking up and writing anytime I get to. And there's a couple of things that I like to touch on and kind of look at as I start the day. Like what dreams did I have the night before? I like to pull a tarot card and think like, okay, what messages are within this card that I should know about and look at the astrology of the day. So there's just like some fun things I like to incorporate into my morning writing. So I made a little PDF freebie. You can download it on the website. It's either adazia.com, A-I-D-A-Z-E-A.com, or timeinthestudio.com. It goes to the same place. And yeah, I just, I had such a great chat this week. There's somebody I was hoping to talk to for years, and we finally got to sit down, and we had an amazing chat. Kate Miller of Alpine Botanicals. She is such a a wonderful, magical human who knows so much about plants and herbalism and business and pivoting. And yeah, we just had a great chat about what it's like. She's pregnant right now, which is so exciting. And we talked about pregnancy and Lyme disease, pivoting your business, shifting to doing like a lot of online work. Um, what it's been like building kind of a sisterhood of other people, other small businesses, other business women that she's working with and kind of helping to recognize and support and showcase through her apothecary in Netherlands. It's at the top of this mountain. And so we talk about that too, like the idea of like having this pilgrimage to this medicine mountain greenhouse on the top of this hill so it's yeah just really fun chat and I learned so much lots of great resources and it really helped me rethink just the importance of get local support your local herbalists support your local farmers especially organic farmers especially people in the BIPOC or LGBTQ community and yeah, it just was a good reminder because sometimes I'm so focused on um, people doing things in other places and it's like, okay, what about the people that are just up the hill from me? So um, that was a kind of a good thing for me to look at. And then she also, a little great reference, if you're looking for books, bookshop.org instead of Amazon. Um, Because I think, you know, sometimes people go to Amazon. I've even done it before. And then it's like, wait, I want to support the small guys. 
So yeah, bookshop.org is a nice alternative if you're looking for books instead of Amazon. So yeah, we just got into so much good stuff. I'm going to just read a little bit more about Kate. She is the founder of Alpine Botanicals, an artisan apothecary in Netherland, Colorado. She's a certified herbalist, biodynamic, <clears throat> excuse me, biodynamic herb grower, and permaculture designer and teacher with a focus on dry land and alpine farming, western herbalism, mountain ecology, ethical wildcrafting, and habitat restoration. And when she's not at the shop, she or working in the greenhouse or crafting the Alpine Botanicals product line. She's usually out hiking with her husband and dog or playing in her herb garden or recipe testing edible edible and topical creations in her kitchen. And she lives in a 100% off-grid home just minutes away from the shop and cherishes the nurturing quiet and beauty of living on the edge of the Rocky Mountain wilderness at 8,500 feet. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. I'm Thanks just for being here. beyond delighted today to be sitting with Kate Miller of Alpine Botanicals. She is an incredible, wonderful herbalist. She's also a teacher of permaculture studies and has a greenhouse and apothecary at 8,500 feet in the mountains where she is growing her own herbs and creating magical potions for people, working with people to help heal them through this time, and is just an incredible teacher, speaker, healer, and magical maker of all things. So, Kate, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Sarah. This is such a pleasure. I feel like we've been trying to do this for years now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like there was just like somehow... I've been just like a slippery little crazy person. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So thanks it's, for your patience. <laughs> yeah. And likewise, it's been a strange time. Yeah, totally. So I'm, I want to say first too, I'm not actually a clinical herbalist. I didn't go to oh, okay. the clinical program. Okay. I like veered off and dove into formulation and, oh, and growing. So that was sort of my my focus. Well, well, thank you for that clarification. Yeah, totally. I'd love to know, just diving in, where do we find you today? Whatever that means for you, however you want to present that. So it's so cool that we're doing this talk on Samhain, on Samhain. Yeah. I love that. And I love your invitation to all the ancestors because that's been a huge part of my work too the last few years. Yeah. Doing deep ancestor work. And now I find myself almost 27 weeks pregnant, about to cross the threshold into my third trimester. (laughs) Amazing. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So that's that's been the defining focus obviously of my life and will continue to be which is totally nutty and exciting and terrifying and wonderful all at the same time so yeah I can't imagine being pregnant at this time to be (laughs) honest it just seems like rather baffling and and exciting you know to be bringing in a new generation I think there's just so much change that's happening and totally not easy but I think 
good things are in the yeah hopefully we're evolving in a good way I I like to think so I mean just committing to being as fully conscious as possible and you know what that means for me and what that has meant for my husband is just really like owning the things that we want to see and and do differently in the world and what we want to bring in for our child and it's really funny that you say I can't imagine being pregnant right now because I found myself saying that just (laughs) a couple of weeks to a couple friends of mine who are who were pregnant and then I found out that I was pregnant and I was like well you know at least we're in this journey together and that's been a huge gift to have three of my very best friends be going through this at the same time. Oh, wow. Kind of across the spectrum of their birth approach too, like everything mm-hmm. from hospital to home birth. So it's been such an incredible blessing to have kind of my community with me right now, even if it's just, you know, texting and FaceTiming and talking on the phone about all the weird things that can come up all the amazing things that can come up all the uncomfortable things that can come up during pregnancy yeah I'm curious what your pregnancy has been like for you because I know it's different for every woman and so I'm curious if there's anything that you've noticed that has been if people have been able to show up to support you or things you've done to support yourself I think it's just such a confusing state and your body's doing so much so I think it'd be wonderful to hear more about what's been how you how you're getting through it yeah well every obviously every pregnancy is like so different and so individual to the person so I I found out I was pregnant basically right as the gardening season was getting going and wow I really my life totally shifted because you know typically as you know if you know because you've been following me I'm like in the garden all summer like that is where I live and I really go hard and I really that's like what I look forward to and plan for all winter and so this year was obviously quite different because as soon as it started getting time to you know transplant everything that we've started at our greenhouse and really like get everything going I was so sick in my first trimester I was like I basically had to had to get really real with myself as a as a person who doesn't really I mean I take rest and self-care very seriously but I'm also a victim of the world that we live in where we're all like you know trying to survive and a lot of us are working way too hard and I had to you know, sit down with my garden manager and my team and really get clear that like things are going to look different people. Like yeah, I'm going to be home a lot more and I'm going to be doing a lot more of nothing because that's what my body is telling me to do, which really it's hard to do in this culture. Yeah. It's so hard to do. And it sent me back to the days of, you know, being in herb school and really learning about like burnout and like what that can do to the body. And I was like, Mm. I'm already pregnant. Like I can't afford to continue that cycle. So, Mm. you know, it was frustrating in moments because I would be like, you know, getting photos of what's popping in the garden and I would be 
sick on the couch with my ginger, my ginger <laughs> tea. <laughs> but it was also a huge gift and just this is like this is that time like for for mothers, expecting mothers to really step back and really like shift their priorities. So looking back on it now, I'm like, you know, I'm glad. Like I'm glad that I had to do that. And it I still got to go and frolic in the garden, but instead of going and working for eight hours and getting a terrible sunburn, I got to go down and, and my crew would make me flower crowns and they would, oh. you know, we would drink tea and we would hang out in the area that we call the office, which is really just the shade of the apple and crab oh. apple trees. So it, it kind of brought like a different sense of the season for me because I really try to live with the rhythm of the seasons. And that was really cool to be like, well, I'm just going to go and like harvest some mint for my first trimester morning sickness tea and not worry about everything else that needs to get done. Yeah. I mean, that's why we poured our, our heart and soul into that space for the last five seasons. So that was probably like one of the biggest shifts early in my pregnancy. I could see it would be hard to maybe be delegating that much and to give up that much control and movement and just like kind of sit still and let this magical creature mm-hmm. you know, come <laughs> into the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's incredible. I am so glad that you had that support system around you. Cause I think oftentimes in pregnancy, I've seen women who thought they had a really strong support system. And then it turns out when you're going through something, there's not always as many people there as you want there to be. And so I'm glad there's some kind of web to hold you there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think it speaks to all of the work that I've done to get to that place. I mean, so I still, I, I meet so many women who are still like so hungry for that sisterhood. And yeah. I relate so much. I mean, it really, it took me until my late twenties to really feel like I even knew what I needed in a friend and what I wanted to be as a friend. And I think we, we could really easily go into a place of, of deep isolation, especially for those of, you know, those of us who've dealt with chronic illness, like myself and probably so many people, like it's easy to do that. And people did say to me, when you get pregnant, you find out who your real friends are. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm so glad that I've kind of gone through, you know, in hindsight, those phases of time in my life where I was dealing with you know, whether it be the Lyme disease that I've been dealing with for decades or whatever it is, I've really, I've really found my people. I've really found my community and especially the women in my community. I mean, some of the women who've shown up for me the most are, you know, those of my friends who are like, they're never going to have kids. Like they are clear, like they don't want Mm -hmm. kids, but they're like so ready to show up and just be there and be like, let's make a delicious meal together or, you know, whatever. Let's bring that. you like a huge bouquet of flowers. Like Aww. I feel so lucky <laughs> to have my community. And that includes like all my people at Alpine Botanicals who have really just been so understanding this whole time. And 
laughed with me through it. And especially now that I'm getting bigger, it's like, <laughs> you come waddling in and they're like, yay. <laughs> like it, it's exciting. Like we're all yes. sort of like having this baby together, right? Like it takes a village. So yes, absolutely. I'm super grateful. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. And it's just so awesome that you have that support. And oh my God, a pregnant woman is just like radiant. I mean, you just have <laughs> this like glow of there's in there's two of you like, yeah it's pretty phenomenal so it I, is and pregnant bellies are like so cute <laughs> agreed absolutely oh I love that well I'm so glad you're being celebrated and that you've been able to create that network and yeah just have that support system I think there is it is a struggle in our community in our current culture, I think to have that. And mm -hmm. I was talking with someone recently, Rochelle Jamila, and she's a doula and an herbalist. And she was just talking about her work as a doula. And she's like, this wasn't a profession before. This was just what the community did for each other. Mm -hmm. But now, like, oftentimes you have to pay for that kind of emotional, physical support because people don't show up and yeah it just was kind of sad I can't imagine yeah like I really can't imagine I mean I was so freaked out when I first found out about the pregnancy because I've studied and followed along with Aviva Ram's work for many years mm -hmm. just through my own interest and in, you know birth and really wanting to feel equipped and prepared to have those conversations. And then the conversations that started to occur when the pandemic hit were like terrifying. I mean, women were being isolated from mm -hmm. everyone, including their partner. And yeah. so nobody kind of knew what to expect moving forward. And luckily there have been a few kind of loosening of the of the policies so that you can typically have at least your partner mm -hmm. and one support person and i'm also really lucky to have been friends with the woman who i chose to be my doula oh great and she, you know she's not like a super tight sister but she which i honestly think for some Sometimes women is kind better. of advantageous like mm -hmm maybe a slightly less biased or less subjective person who can like really be your cheerleader in those moments and like snap my husband into gear if he's starting <laughs> to freak out. <laughs> but yeah, I really can't imagine. And it's like, it's, it's definitely, it's been a challenge because, you know, obviously where, not getting together as often and I've had to do a lot more FaceTime and phone calls and things like that than than I would have had I gotten pregnant last summer where I would have probably been in person gatherings a lot more. Yeah. But it's okay and we make do and by the time he arrives, the little baby boy, Aww. tiny wizard, Aww. is what we call him. Oh, um, so you know, cute. next summer, hopefully we'll be back to gathering and be able to sort of, I don't, I don't see normal returning, but I see a new kind of normal and a shift. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm hoping yeah. for that for yeah. you and for it. So yes. be able to shift towards something that feels like 
nurturing and helpful and exactly and I hope that for all moms and parents moms and dads and families yeah agreed absolutely (sighs) I'm curious kind of diving back I just love to hear a little bit more about your history you mentioned that you have experienced Lyme disease I'm a Lyme too so I'm with you sister like it's not Ah, oh, so many of us. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what brought me to herbalism as well. But yeah. I'm curious your path with through herbalism and permaculture and kind of how you've how you decided to set up a shop on the top of this mountain and <laughs> tropical greenhouse <laughs> in like a wind tunnel. Like how did Yeah. This- I know it's so funny. It's like you think that I created this situation where essentially I'm forcing people to like make pilgrimage. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I've sort of had to do that in my life too, right? Like that's yeah. chronic illness in a nutshell. It's like mm. finding ourselves in like a very challenging way. Yeah, my my story is like all over the place because geographically I lived all over the place up Mm -hmm. until I moved to Boulder when I was only 17. Mm -hmm. And so I've been in Colorado for almost 20 years, which is awesome. And I feel super connected and at home in this place. And it's where I like really discovered my love of herbs and gardening and permaculture and just community kind of based work. But yeah, I basically, like so many of us, Limeys and people who have struggled with chronic illness, it started when I was a kid. I, I really just feel like my parents did their best, but like in terms of where the medical field was during that time, there was still so much that was left out of the conversation that was not yet really known nutrition and kind of the whole study of food allergies were still such a young science and I had celiac and like severe soy allergies and Mm. some other food allergies that like you know for years went undiagnosed Mm. and I contracted Lyme when I was nine years old across the country so at the time I was living in Idaho with my parents Mm. and my father took us to visit some family and cousins on the east coast and it was out riding horses with one of my dad's cousins that I was bitten and basically covered in ticks. Whoa. And we didn't even talk about ticks or Lyme disease back then. I mean, that yeah. was like, you know, mid nineties, like we mm-hmm. were, it wasn't even on our radar. So I literally flew back to Idaho with ticks still on me. Whoa. And yeah. And I think that, that was definitely like one of the pinnacle shifts in my life, obviously, because if you don't catch it early and treat it early, it becomes chronic. And mm-hmm. in my in my own research and belief, it's something that you essentially have to work with for your whole lifetime and mm-hmm. really approach kind of in a remission-based approach. So I didn't get diagnosed with Lyme disease until I was 27. So I went quite a while yeah, wow. feeling like, what is going on with me? And it would mm-hmm. shift and evolve. And then when I eventually did go to herb school, that was when it was like, okay, we're talking about this now. It's mm-hmm. still 
essentially invisible to the rest of society and especially the conventional medical establishment, which I'm, I know that all of us Limeys are like all too aware of now. Like this is yeah. not covered by insurance. Like there's still, you know, legislation going through our federal government that's just trying to get Lyme to be recognized by insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And because it's, I've seen it bankrupt friends. I've seen oh, it yeah. almost kill people who I, you know, I love and who I know are working, trying so hard to get healthy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's sort of like this crazy monolith of, of learning that I've personally had to work with. And most of the people that I talk to who have Lyme disease approach it in the same way now. And my present approach is really just nourish, nourish oneself. This is a 10 million year old organism that's far more intelligent than we are. Yeah. And I think that there are lessons there that are crucial to our, our success in surviving this current kind of time that we're living in where we're still continuing to sterilize our inner and outer environments. Mm-hmm. And maybe the spirochete that is Lyme can teach us something about that and teach us something about another way of living. So that's, that's kind of where I've taken it after many years of trying to treat it herbally. I was, I was luckily never, I never went down the antibiotic route because I saw too many people suffer from that. But yeah, yeah, it's such a big topic, Lyme disease. My goodness, it's. But I, I feel <laughs> like much more positive about it now because I'm like I'm, I've totally changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. I and love that. I think, yeah, I think the nourish approach is that's kind of mm-hmm. where I've redirected my energy as well because just similarly, I I did ha- take antibiotics for a mm-hmm. brief time and it was just like. You feel Night, awful. Nightmare. Yeah. It just made everything worse. And I just feel like it created more damage to repair, not to say what anyone else should do in their situation. Of and yeah. then and then I was trying to do more like heroic herbs to try to mm-hmm. treat it. And that didn't work for me either. And then the herb school just was kind of like nourish, 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 nourish. And so exactly. I kind of, I'm like, okay. And that's what's worked. So I'm like, well okay, I just need to like, when I'm having like a moment of, oh, is this my Lyme showing up? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. drink some nettle tea then. Like, (laughs) Totally go outside, Mm -hmm. put your bare feet on the ground. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah, it's, I feel so lucky that I got into herbalism when I did and Mm -hmm. felt somewhat equipped to really take care of myself and you know that being said like I still relate so hard with people who are in the position of dealing and working with their own chronic illness journey and are feeling so frustrated like they haven't found that practitioner they haven't found that doctor who can answer all their questions or even spend more than a few minutes with them and especially when you're dealing with something like Lyme that really is essentially still invisible mm-hmm. to so many practitioners it's like I, I understand and I don't 
I don't want to dissuade people from finding that person, but I think my personal journey really spoke to the need to be that person for myself. Like mm. I need to be that person yes. for me. Nobody is going to do this for me. Yeah. And that's been so huge where I feel like I don't, I don't leave my doctor's appointments now. I mean, I see a naturopath or a functional MD most typically mm -hmm. now, but I'm not going in expecting them to change the whole landscape of my health anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm going back to, you know, every household needs its healer and, mm -hmm. Or, or more than one, you know, mm -hmm. I, my husband's a healer in his own way, though he's not oh, a trained herbalist. Mm. He's totally helped me through this journey. Mm, and amazing. yeah, just finding, finding that in yourself and finding those people in your community that, you know, I don't need to be empowered by my doctors. I already mm. have the power. Like I just need to have that recognized in me mm. and the practitioners that I'm attracted to now are those who recognize that. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that because it is, I think to be your own healer is where the power really, mm -hmm. that's where you get the answers. And there was something yeah. else that as you were speaking, I had this thought of the ancestors too and mm -hmm. meditation and there's something on your website just talking about how you're starting to work with more of your ancestral traditional medicine mm -hmm. and for me I've gotten a lot of answers through meditation and just journeying and so I'm curious if you found answers in that way too or how you find yeah how you find your own answers and how you do empower yourself and yeah. Tips for other people who may be looking. I think the place that I started that I would tell people to start is in the kitchen. Mm, yes. Because um, so much of this like magic that, that I was able to find was really like, okay, well, what were my ancestors eating? And it went mm. along again with this sort of working in, working in a rhythm with the seasons. And I mean, I'm of mixed European ancestry and I'm Ashkenazi Jewish. So there's like, there's so much going on there, like in mm -hmm. my ancestry. And I certainly haven't explored it all in depth because once you start diving into ancestor work, it's like, that is life work. And yeah. I was, I was sort of drawn towards exploring my more like Northern European and Celtic ancestry first and some of my German ancestry. And a lot of it was just like, how did, how, how can I bring like the ritual and the joy and the healing into the kitchen with me? Even if I'm just making bread or if I'm yeah. making like a yummy, you know, Glühwein, which is like a traditional German sort of winter brew that often contains alcohol. I make it without alcohol with like lots of fruit Ooh. and roots and berries. And we're going to do a blog on some ancestral, ancestrally inspired oh. recipes on our website coming up here soon that we'll release. Amazing. Um, I'll but it was things that. like that where I was like, this is how I'm going to be able to kind of hit all the marks for myself where it's like, I want more joy. Like I don't want to be necessarily like hyper-focused in on like 
meeting a certain goal, like a health goal. It was more just like, I want to make something like tasty and delicious and nourishing for myself and for my family that echoes and honors what my ancestors would drink and eat during this time of year. So that was like, that was like, when I started doing that, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is like totally a part of my life now. And got me super excited and I would you know invite friends and family over and that was we would talk about how things were done like you know hundreds and thousands of years ago and go and forage the pine needles to like put into these brews or you know whatever it was oh that's so beautiful I love the there's like the joy and the laughter and the community and like the experience of making something yummy just that creative act like that's your medicine and that's also you can tune into ancestral wisdom through that that's such that seems just like Oh yeah. A perfect the good stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. I love that. I'd love to hear a little bit more. I just see these absolutely beautiful photos of you in the greenhouse and everybody who works there. There's a couple other people who have I've interviewed for the podcast. Yes, Heather and Courtney. Yeah. Yes. And my people. <laughs> yes. They are wonderful women. And I'm just curious, like what that has been like building an apothecary in a mountain town and how do you get people to come to you or now switching to online too I feel like that's that's was probably a big shift totally yeah so we well we opened in March of 2018 so we were literally just about to turn two and the pandemic hit (laughs) And, you know, they say that you're really defined by your first five years as a small business and especially Ah. like brick and mortar retailers, I think, and restaurants. That really is like definitely a pretty real thing. So, I mean, it was such like a crazy journey just opening the apothecary. I mean, I started the business of Alpine Botanicals back in 2015 when I was still working with my former business Dynamic Roots. And Dynamic Roots was really meant to be like the house brand because we had over 40 products that myself and my two partners had all formulated. And Alpine Botanicals was going to be more of like the venue that Mm -hmm. sort of highlighted Dynamic Roots and a whole bunch of other mostly Colorado based artisans. So herbal and other kinds of artisans. So that's still ultimately what we are, what Alpine Botanicals is, but Dynamic Roots, we decided totally amicably. I mean, we're like lifelong sisters. We decided to close that business in 2019. And I took my formulas with me, which was like the whole Dynamic Roots tea line and a couple other products. So I sort of already had the seeds planted for a product line. Mm -hmm. And that's been much slower to get going. I mean, really just in the last year, just because it was so much work just to get the store going. And then of course, once the store was open and we were like functioning as a business and had gained some 
social media presence and people were coming in and we didn't even have like a real sign until this last <laughs> year. Like things were really slow moving. <laughs> I try to do things like in little bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Um, and some of that is because I just, I was always like pulled back to the garden or pulled back to the greenhouse where mm things felt like a little bit more immediate in terms of what do the plants need? Like, what are we growing? What are we going to put yeah. into the products? What are we growing to dry and sell at the apothecary? And really, as soon as I got the store up and running to a certain point, I switched gears and immediately hyper-focused in on getting the greenhouse going because the greenhouse was like, I mean, I don't know what it is. It's not the heart. I mean, it is the heart in some ways of the apothecary it's like mm -hmm. the heart and soul and the digestive system <laughs> we got yeah, compost going in there <laughs> yeah it's so there were a lot of moving pieces and then of course I had I have a commercial kitchen that's now fully licensed and running awesome. where we produce all of our products and you know, all these pieces take a lot of time and people ask me how I did it. And it's like, this took years, you know, this mm -hmm. took a lot of years. And I was looking into FDA compliance for four years before we opened the store. And I finally decided wow. I'm just going to make teas and not go the tincture and dietary supplement route because it's way too complicated, which kind of just gets into the business of herbs and how much we have to go through in order to legitimize our work as herbalists mm -hmm. and how many hoops we have to jump through, which, you know, they're, they're there for a reason, but they're certainly not easy to deal with. So it's been a lot of just like surfing the wave of experience as best I can. And sometimes coming up for air to only basically decide like maybe this is not the route that we want to go towards and maybe we need to reassess our, our game plan here, which is kind of like the permaculture way of running a business. Ah, <laughs> like you have to, you have to be willing to adjust and adapt and make changes. And that's why part of my approach was I'm going to do things even though it's, it's a big project overall, I'm going to do things as slowly as I can. Just because if you add all the elements at one time and everything kind of goes wrong, you end up with sort of like a knotted mess in your hands. I and love that's a, that. that's a lot trickier to work out than just kind of like one problem at a time. So it's not to say we haven't dealt with a lot of different problems coming up simultaneously. <laughs> like 2020 is the epitomization but I think all in all like we've actually done a pretty good job yeah I love that slow steady approach I'm definitely yeah in, in the turtle realm where I'm just like I just I'm like okay just try to be consistent and if I have mm -hmm. days where I can't show up and do what I want to do that's okay like I give I forgive myself I give myself grace totally like, day just is what it needs to be like just try to keep doing the work and like you figure out a new thing each day. So exactly. It and it helps you remember the joy too. Cause yeah. I definitely have moments where, especially in the last year, it's been like, okay, what am I doing that makes me happy? What am I doing mm -hmm. that makes me crazy that I don't mm -hmm. want to do? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't get away from the things that you don't want to do like bookkeeping and insurance 
stuff that we have to deal with and all of that, you know, yucky stuff. But it's like, as long as I also do in equal or more parts, the things that I enjoy, like, I think that's really the key. And that's where, that's always what brings me back into that greenhouse and garden space. I mean, even this year, not being able to spend that much time in the garden was hard. And the garden is about a 30 minute drive from my house Mm -hmm. um, down in Boulder, but the greenhouse is only five minutes away. So I would go and spend a lot of time in the greenhouse, even if it was just to like give the worms my tea scraps (laughs) yeah, and like say hello or, you know, smell the jasmine that was blooming or whatever it was. That's important to, to come back to every day. And I mean, I think that's ultimately what brings people in is like, Mm -hmm. we are trying to create this space that really speaks to those like basic things. Like what are we doing to create joy? What are we doing to create nourishment? I mean, even if it's just people who aren't coming into, to buy anything or shop, but just want to come in and experience the space and experience the greenhouse or have a conversation with whoever's working. And, and that's, you know, we've kept our staff really small out of necessity, but also because Mm -hmm. we operate like a family and that's really a lot more important to me than going big. Like I want to, I want to be tiny and strong. Yeah. And resilient. I can (laughs) see, I can see like resiliency and community as like big components of like why that shop is such a magnet because there is like somehow you're just pivoting and making it work. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's a major pandemic. People can't come into the stores. We're just going to like make our website so flipping hot and awesome. And yes. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> it looks so good. I was so working good. like 70 hours a week when we first had to close the store because it was like, how do we do this website thing? Like this was not my goal. I was totally not going to go online. I mean, I was yeah. so resistant. I was being a little bit curmudgeon about it because mm-hmm. it was not my, that's not my jam. Like being on the yeah. computer is not my jam. I want to be, you know, with the plants or in the kitchen making all the the yummy things and we did it like we we got it done and I think that it's such a blessing that I stuck to my mission of really like we have that built-in community in the space like we are a venue for so many amazing Colorado-based you know bioregionally sourced artisans and products And I don't want to reinvent the wheel and be, you know, I don't want Alpine Botanicals to make all the things. Mm-hmm. I want to make the things that I use that I'm passionate about making. And then, you know, we got, we got all these other beautiful things like Britt yeah. from Love's Lemons is one of our favorite artisans to work with. And she's become oh. such a dear sister to us and such an inspiration to me personally. And like, she makes the, raddest soap and like such incredible body care products. Like I don't need to fill every niche. I want to support other people through the work that we're doing. And I think the artisans and the the people that we work with really feel that. And they're like, oh yeah, like this is great. This is a partnership. And if we're going to participate in capitalism, that's what it should be. Like these yeah. are more than transactions. These are relationships. Mm. 
I love that. And it makes me want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is, I mean, I just really commend your work. I mean, it's just like a fun website to look at. Like, I just want to like look at all the things and it's exciting and it's beautiful and it's just rich. So yeah, I commend your efforts on that. And I just wanted, you're welcome. I just wanted to tune back in. You were saying Brittany of Love's Lemon. Yeah, Brittany Reese. Of Love's Lemons. Yeah, her Instagram is Love's Lemons. And she is like such a fairy person. Oh, I'm just curious, like as you're talking about developing relationships with other, especially Colorado herbalists, I love mm-hmm. the idea of working local and commun- uh, celebrating people who are yeah. nearby. I want to tune into that. And also what makes a good collaboration like what is it about your connection with her that makes it so Mm. fun to work with her yeah totally well I I'm definitely rooted in my like Gemini strengths of communication because Mm -hmm. having had a product line in a in a business before the store and then having had a lot of retail experience and service industry experience, I was like, communication is just the ultimate strength. And I need to hone in on this and really, really use this and like work with this. And so, I mean, I think that's been obviously at the heart of these relationships where like with Brit, it's, it's so easy to, to approach things. Like I was saying, like they're simply transactional when in fact, like these are relationships that I would love to see last for a long, long time. And they take nourishment, like any relationship. I mean, yes, like it's important to have boundaries between work and personal stuff, but it's like, I also, I approach these, especially because a lot of the vendors that we're supporting, a lot of the artisans we're supporting are women. I approach it like, you know, we're building a a sisterhood and it's important to be honest, like, yeah, and really respectful and I I try to own when I make mistakes or I don't approach things like as diplomatically or as tactfully as I could if I'm in a hurry like I really try to be super present even if it's just writing an email or making a phone call with all of these people and that's really important to me like I went in and met a new potter that we're going to be selling her wares in the store and I went into her space and her shop yesterday and spent like an hour just we were just like talking shooting the shit like it's important to do that like it's you know she she's a sweetheart and she's an artist like yourself and it's really important to honor that space where this is love going into something material and that's what makes it different than something that's made in a factory that you can buy and have shipped to you the next day from Amazon. Like we are not in that business. We are in the business of supporting people who can cultivate, you know, love through the work that they're doing, like whatever that be making a lip balm or making a tea mug or a card, an Oracle deck. Like that's what I want to come through. So I love that. That's so powerful. So beautiful. So whether like, whether you're on the other side, the artist side or on my side where you're, you know, trying to create those relationships, like that would be, 
the place I would come from because that's what really gives it life at the end of the day. Yeah. Even if you're banging your head against the wall and it's 2020 <laughs> and you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're like, this totally sucks. Like, uh, yeah, we, you know, we're struggling like a lot of small businesses out there and we're also super grateful for our community. Yeah. I love that you're able to support the community and develop these relationships. I'm curious as you've been present for so many people, I feel like herbalism is so important right now. What have you seen show up for people or what things have been helpful? Are there herbs that are kind of top of mind or any suggestions for people to kind of deal with I hear a lot about anxiety and Mm -hmm. sleep issues lately. And so that's kind of something I'm starting to look at more and more. But I'm curious what you've kind of seen come through. Yeah, totally. Our biggest, biggest requests starting right around the time this all hit were, of course, antiviral herbs. What can Mm -hmm. we be taking Mm -hmm you know, preventatively, what can be, what can people be taking if they actually get COVID and not just herbs, but supplements and different, you know, tips and things like aromatic steams and such. And then you named it anxiety and sleep for the other two. And we have, you know, there's so many people who the way that anxiety manifests in their body isn't through ways that one might think like it's, I'm the kind of person where when I get anxious, it's all in my digestive system. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was coaching folks around, okay, like this might be a time to simplify your diet or really be eating in tune with the climate that you're living in. Is it cold and wintry outside? Do you need more nourishing soups and broths? You know, things like that. And it was, it was a really kind of cool weird thing that right when everything was going on our passion flower in our greenhouse started going nuts and was like oh, blooming wow. and super just vigorous growth i i have to cut our passion flower plants back at least a couple times a year cuz they're like wow. basically weeds at this oh, point so cool and passion flower was like one of my biggest remedies for for sleep and anxiety and people who just like couldn't get away from this fear place of, you know, if you were reading the news or even just talking to your neighbor, it felt like every conversation we were having was totally ruled by fear and uncertainty and Mm -hmm. it's understandable. And there were also definitely, there are definitely moments like you got to just sort of turn off the dialogue and just rest if you want to be healthy and be able to keep going. And passion flower was one of the biggest things for me personally. So yeah, it really, of course, as you know, as an herbalist, like it always depends on the person. Like we might have someone come in who's, who basically can't sleep and is hyper anxious and it's all muscle tension. And Mm -hmm. so how can you coach kind of individual individual needs that way and and approach things looking at the whole person instead of the symptoms and as always like that's where we're trying to come from with our background in vitalism right like people have all the tools and resources that they need to heal and sometimes it's just did you have a glass of water yet today (laughs) you you know maybe been 
reading the news and like bent over your phone and you're dealing Mm -hmm. with muscle tension in your neck and you need to just like get up and stretch and go on a walk and turn Mm -hmm. your phone off. I mean, I know that these are really simple things that a lot of us are reminding each other about, but it's still like so often people come into the store and I'll be sitting in the office working about something and, and somebody will be complaining of headaches and it's like, I'm so glad, like all of us are on the same page. Like, are you dehydrated? Like you're yeah. hanging out at 8,300 feet here and dehydration is no joke. I mean, I've, I've worked with people up here who were dealing with serious depression that was basically as a result of dehydration because oh, they just wow. could not, they were not drinking enough water. So yeah. Wow. That makes me thirsty. Just like, I know. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, the sleep, the sleep immune and anxiety pieces are huge. And we, you know, we really, we did definitely cater to that in building on our website the way that we did and trying to really make it um, easy to navigate in terms of like finding good uh, sources for mood support. And again, like sometimes it's just as simple as like, that soul nourishment joy piece. And I feel like so many of us are just sort of, we're, we're still sitting in this weird limbo space of like, when is it going to end? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and not feeling fully resourced for what's to come. And, you know, (laughs) I, I love everyone out there. Who's just, just keep going. We can do this. (laughs) I'm curious. Just that, idea of continuing to go and the fact that you've been developing this greenhouse and this garden Mm. for over five years in this space. Do you have suggestions for people who want to learn to be better gardeners or yeah, just working with plants and working with Mm. the land? Because I know you're working with permaculture and you teach a lot of classes around that and biodynamic growing. So I'd love to I'm not a great gardener. It's my sad secret that I'm like, oh, I should be a better gardener than I am. So I I love learning more about like, how can I be better at working with the plants outside? Mm. Like my house plants are pretty happy, but like my outside plants, I just, I don't know how that works. So do you have any suggestions? Yeah. So for people maybe just beginning, I mean, I know it's kind of an odd answer, but YouTube is your best friend. Like, especially right now where I'm not, you know, I'm not teaching classes. There aren't really any in-person classes going on. Mm -hmm. And I, like even personally, I utilize YouTube as a resource. There's all these super cool farms and gardeners and projects that have incredibly robust channels on YouTube where you can learn about so many different things. And I would say in terms of like, what is it that you're going to search in the, in the search bar, start with what you like to eat mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went into this year, it was kind of funny that I got pregnant because I was going into this year going, this is my fruit year. Like I'm going to grow all the tomatoes and, <laughs> and I'm just going to be like a fruit loving mama. And then boom, I got pregnant and it was like, that was all I wanted to eat. It was really funny. I was like wow. the queen of bolognese by, 
the end of September, just totally like tomatoes. Yeah, totally. And then peaches, like we had such a good peach season. So mm-hmm. I would start with those things. Like, what are you mm-hmm. passionate about eating? Because food is such a gateway. And I think a lot of gardeners, myself included, when I first started out gardening, I was like, I have to grow all the things, just mm-hmm. all the things. I'm just going to buy all the seeds and grow all the things. And then by the second season, I was like, I hate chard. I never want to look at chard again. <laughs> I don't need to grow chard. <laughs> just because I can grow it well and it grows well in Colorado doesn't mean I have to like it or eat it or grow it again. So yeah, start with those things that you like to eat because there's so many cool videos on YouTube that kind of focus in on different species, especially popular species like tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how it, uh, that's a great way to really get introduced to that piece and really, really learning more about soil before you dive into the actual growing of plants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they kind of put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and they get really excited about growing vegetables and herbs and stuff, but they're not learning a whole lot about the growing medium itself. Yeah. And really that's what both permaculture and biodynamic kind of approaches to to agriculture are all about, which is you're growing the soil, not the plant. Mm. You focus on growing good soil and building good soil over time. You will have to do so much less work and you will make way less mistakes so to speak, you'll, you know, you'll end up with just healthier plants in general, less disease, less prone to pests. So that's really where, that's really where I focus. I try to Mm -hmm. focus a lot on soil health first and then prioritize what is it that I really love? What is it that I really, you know, want to glean abundance from and this year was tomatoes <laughs> loaded with tomatoes, <laughs> but I still, I still in the spring was like, okay, YouTube, like show me all the tomato tricks. Mm-hmm. And I asked a lot of folks locally and I ended up having some struggles growing tomatoes up here at 8,300 feet for sure. Cause we just don't have a warm enough, long enough season. So I did mm-hmm. end up moving them into the greenhouse. And mm-hmm. I think in Colorado, for people who are looking at gardening and getting into gardening, soil would be my number one thing. And then the second thing would be learn about season extension techniques before you actually plant your garden out or soon oh, after. Uh-huh. And by season extension, I'm talking about, you row know, covers. not necers- a greenhouse, but yeah, exactly. Row uh-huh. covers. So like low tunnels, high tunnels, things that you can easily install and even keep the infrastructure up year round so that you you always have that backup if we do get that inevitable like june 22nd hailstorm <laughs> all of your lettuce babies so like brutal i don't we have such a like a crazy unpredictable extreme range of you know possibilities out here so mm-hmm. yeah just be prepared going into it for that and yeah, that would be, those would be my biggest tips. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I have a couple of friends who grow a lot of flowers and they're kind of um, working towards being their own flower farm. Mm-hmm. So exciting and just 
really challenging. I can see like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just not easy to grow in Colorado. No, it's not. And we're, we are dealing with more pests. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't deal with that many pests until the last couple seasons. And it's mm. like, it just, it just does speak to climate change and mm. how, you know, the cycles that we go through, I mean, even just in the Boulder microclimate of having these drought years followed by these crazy rainy wet years or summers, especially like earlier in the summer. I mean, I just feel like, you know, don't beat yourself up. Like you learn so much through experience. I've killed lots of plants mm-hmm. and it's compost. Like, right. you know, don't, don't fret like you can always you can always compost your mistakes and your failures and that's the beauty of again Mm. focusing on the building the soil and i think in a more spiritual or esoteric sense like through building compost i've really learned to accept and compost my own personal failures that Mm. have nothing to do with gardening i mean this is all like wow this is all part of life. And I think that speaks for me to like the magic of why I have felt so connected with the biodynamic system, because it is all about those rhythms and Mm -hmm. those meta rhythms and the smaller rhythms that we experienced in our everyday of, you know, failure happens and like put it in the earth for the earth to digest and create something else out of and transform into something else. Mm, that's uh, whether so you're talking beautiful. about the material or <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Yes. And that's like, that's really been so crucial to my inner work. Mm. Um, like, wow. yeah, I take my grief to the compost pile and I turn it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I, that's going to just really stick with me. I feel like that's something that kind of comes through in a lot of meditations, just this idea of like, okay, release, like whatever I don't need, just release it. And it's compost for the earth, like whether it's emotional or physical Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be like, it's like, okay, if you don't need it, just let it go and yes, Mm. compost and become new growth and, help you proceed forward in your exactly I love that exactly yeah it's yeah I mean I am guilty of forgetting so much of that too it's like these are all tools that can easily end up you know in a in a box in the corner of your mind and you need that's like going back to the the magic of creating a community even if it's only one or two people who are capable of reminding you of those things and this is like the magic that we have to hold on to right now yeah oh so good I love that (laughs) teach all this good stuff to my baby boy (laughs) oh my gosh so exciting I love that well I want to honor your time but I also want to leave space if there's anything else coming through and that you want to offer as advice for people who are struggling through this time through for business owners or herbalists or just yeah anything that's coming through that you want to speak to really yeah Hmm. I definitely you know in the I just yeah I think 
in talking about the herbal business piece, even though it is a forum that does a really good job encouraging this sort of internalized capitalism, like where we're all competing with each other and it's easy to feel like we're not sure how to assess our own value in the world because mm -hmm. everybody's, everybody's like fighting for yeah. attention and engagement. Mm -hmm. I think it is again, like it's, it's a tool that we can choose to work with in a different way through fostering connections. I mean, you and I got connected through yeah, Instagram. I'm sure you get connected true. with a ton of your people through Instagram. <laughs> yeah, most of my guests, I would yeah, say. Yeah, like mm -hmm. so many people, so many beautiful souls I've found through Instagram. And so I do try to continually come back to that. It's like, it's how, it's a tool that we choose how to use. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be really, reminder. yeah, it can be so overwhelming as a still tiny herbal business owner and I have Heather to thank for for supporting me and still oh. making it work she she helps me do the Instagram and oh awesome and we are totally on the same page around you know when is it not appropriate to be salesy and when is mm -hmm. it not appropriate to try to push a product or whatever and when do we need to like speak to the grief that we're mm. experiencing and mm -hmm. it needs to be that mix because we're human and mm -hmm. that has to come through and we're never going to be like the perfectly curated presence on social media like I would entirely avoid it if I could mm -hmm. but yeah. except for those connections that come through it so I would just yeah, I would just like try to relax. Everyone relax about social media, please. <laughs> We're going into the holidays. Just let's just relax. I'm like make some glue wine. Yeah, yeah, make some glue wine. Like do some good with it. Make your ancestor mm -hmm. altar. Like remember that there's other ways of fostering connections too. Like it could be a good catalyst, but don't rely on it for that too. Mm -hmm. And I guess with that too, I mean just offering. Instagram is great for finding so many things all over the all over your region and all over the country and all over the world. My focus still remains to be, you know, if we really want to move forward and do things differently, focus on your local medicine. Focus on mm. your local medicine shed. Support your neighborhood apothecaries. Support your yeah. neighborhood and community herbalists first, mm. especially our BIPOC herbalists mm. and. I really feel like that's so important right now, even though we're being bombarded with like pretty pictures all the time, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. So yeah. Yeah. So and true. then should I take this time to maybe recommend a couple books? Yeah, there? that would be great. I would love that. Please. Okay, cool. So yeah, going back to sort of the question of how do I, how do I kind of learn more about biodynamics or the world of herbalism? I think some of the books that have been most influential in my life, many of them were written by a total wizard man named Wolf Storm. He was an herbalist <laughs> and cultural anthropologist and has done a lot of kind of translation of Rudolf Steiner's work and Rudolf mm. Steiner's The 
founder and kind of main guy behind biodynamics. And one of the books that Wolf wrote that really, yeah, totally. I'm just seeing if I have his book in here to make sure I'm saying his other book correctly, but I can just, I can just mention him. Yeah. So Wolf D. Storrell is one of my favorite authors and he is an herbalist, a cultural anthropologist, a translator of some of Rudolf Steiner's work. And he wrote a book that I was first introduced to when I was like 20 or 21 years old called Culture and Horticulture. Mm. And it's awesome because it really introduces the principles and ideas in a very straightforward way behind biodynamics. And it also speaks to the science of it and a lot of the esoteric pieces in terms of being able to kind of follow how do we do this whole thing and rewrite this whole kind of conventional narrative that we've all been introduced to around agriculture and switch back to things like planting and following the rhythms of the moon, you know, planting and harvesting and working with plants in a very lunar rhythmic way as well as working with the other planets and celestial bodies. Mm, so, so that cool. was a super cool, totally far out book when I read it. And now I recommend it to a lot of people who are um, interested in learning more about biodynamics and the biodynamic association, which I think is changing their name to something else. Cause they're partnering up with the Demeter certifying organization, which is, basically the the body that certifies biodynamic farms and, and companies around the nation and around the world, they're an incredible resource. So the Biodynamic Association has webinars and it's a great resource to tap into right now because you can do things donation-based, I think oh, sizing cool. scale as well. And there are tons of incredible teachers, a lot of them herbalists. So Ooh, amazing. Yeah, it's a wonderful bridge kind of world to get into. And my husband and I have really adopted that community as our spiritual community and felt adopted by that community. Mm. So we are super grateful to keep going with that practice. I call it my gnome work. The work with elemental beings is like so crucial to that, Mm. that space. And it makes me feel like a kid in the forest, in the garden again. So that's an important feeling to hold on to as long as we can. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that. That's such a yeah. good suggestion. And he has so many other amazing books too. And one of my other favorite herbalists that is very active in the biodynamic world is Deb Sewell. Mm. She wrote a book called How to Move Like a Gardener. That's another incredible book. And mm. there's so many great books. I mean, anyone is totally free to reach out to me on our Instagram or via email and ask me for my other book recommendations because I have a whole library that I cherish. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking of doing, because through speaking with different guests, so many people talk about different books that they're reading or that they've read. And so I was thinking of doing like a recommended reading list on my website. Yeah. But I could see that could be something cool for you to offer as well. Cause I feel like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And already. We do sell some books on our website and I mm-hmm. always encourage people 
you know, if we don't have a book that they're looking for, go on Bookshop, please, 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 mm. before you go on Amazon. Cool. I even yes. had to remind my dad about it the other day because it's it's one of those things that like we forget. You know, if you mm. have an Amazon account, it's so easy to just order a book that way. But Bookshop's really cool because they support independent local book retailers. Oh, that's wonderful. So anything that we can do to try to like slow the machine down. <laughs> yeah. To not support Amazon. I think not is support a good, like yeah. these huge companies that like they're make billions just and taking billions over. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I try to, I try to support my local retailers first and then bookshop is a great resource for books and awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for that suggestion. That's awesome. Stick yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Well, I just, I love hearing more about your work and your business. And I just am so excited to come spend more time in your shop in person once that's. Yeah, totally. And we, yeah, we are taking every precaution, Mm -hmm. you know, just for you and your listeners. We are so careful. We reopened in June and really are taking this very seriously and doing everything we can to sort of, you know, support the community still from afar for those folks that aren't comfortable being out and about. Like I totally understand, you know, from the perspective of people who are immune compromised and they, they still need support. So call us, email us. Like we're here. Everyone that works at the shop is a certified herbalist. Some of them certified clinical herbalists. So we're, we're equipped to hear and, and work with, individuals on all sorts of different things and if you do feel strong and strong enough and resilient enough to want to come in I highly recommend coming in and just taking some deep breaths in the greenhouse because Mm. especially going into winter it's such a beautiful space to come in so exciting yeah does it stay I know this is kind of a silly question but does it stay like everything survives the winter yes yeah there? yeah seems- yeah i should have said that before yeah. <laughs> fully insulated yeah we have one heating unit that we do have to use on occasion when temps get really low but mm-hmm. outside of that it's totally passive solar and it's just it's awesome like we have mainly a kind of subtropical to mediterranean environment in there but we grow everything from hibiscus to bacopa to jasmine to papaya to fig. I mean, we have so much going on in there and it's sort of a reflection of my personality, I guess, in that way. Like I can't pass by. (laughs) Yeah. So so it's it's really cool. And we do sell house plants in there as well as some really cool like fair trade, like garden ornaments and and house decor and and stuff like that. And Oh, wonderful. Um, I welcome people to just like, you know, grab tea and come in and just like enjoy that kind of green sanctuary because that's really why we made it at the end of the day. It's hard to keep plants in yeah. stock right now. So a lot of the time people are coming in. It's not as full upstairs in our plant shop, but you can still look over the balcony and see all of the amazing stuff that's oh, cool. created this whole lush canopy kind of forest garden system. That is so incredible. I can't wait to just go breathe it all in. That sounds incredible. It's good for 
everyone and great for our immune systems. Yeah, so true. I could see that. And especially with these smoky, yep. smoky skies. I know it's like, especially higher up in the mountains, I imagine it might be worse up there. I don't know what it's. Yeah, it's like. gotten much better lately, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. for a lot more snow. And especially in the winter, it's like that dry air in Colorado that just like hurts Yeah, sometimes. I love going into the greenhouse because it's sort of like walking into a living humidifier. (laughs) That sounds amazing. So good for your skin too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, Kate, it's so wonderful to connect with you. If, is there anything else coming through and how can people reach you and connect with you? Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. for having me on and allowing me to kind of just let it flow. It always yeah. feels so good to talk to another plant person who's like yes. trying to make this a better world. And thanks for the work that you're doing with the podcast oh. and yeah, just admire you. So oh, thank you. The feeling is mutual. I love what you're yeah. doing. It's like, the dream basically I'm like oh my god to have like a greenhouse and cool shop where you're supporting other herbalists and growing amazing stuff like that's just yeah yeah, such a dream it's exciting gotta stay hopeful it's like we'll get through this we'll get through this winter together and you know light your candle and say your prayers and call your friends and you know drink your tea get rest But yeah, people can find me online and through our Instagram for sure. It won't always be me just because I am nearing my time to be away on my maternity leave, which I take very seriously as my little little one continues to grow. And yeah, I love to keep in touch with people and collaborate and I love to support other healers and herbalists and artisans and the work that they're doing and just want to continue to encourage that as much as possible. All of these beautiful people who are making the world more beautiful and more resilient. Yes. Well, thank you. And that's alpinebotanicals.com and and at at alpinebotanicals. Yeah. At alpine underscore botanicals is our Instagram and we're pretty quick to respond but you know like all small business owners we're asking for like a little bit of a greater level of patience during these times but yeah check out our blog we have lots of really cool resources heather has done such a great job she's my little fairy she's so amazing with social media she can just like yep Get in there and work the magic. I'm like, oh, it's like a kind of a monster. Like I have fun with it. it Yeah, but I have to be in the I have to be in the right mood to do it. Otherwise, I'm like, oh no. It it is, yeah. And we we have a lot of fun. Like our photo shoots. I'm sure people see. Like there's a little bit of an iterative vibe. This photo shoot, the photo shoots that we do that we bring in more and more of our community to sort of like enliven that scene because this is you know, I planted this seed, but as I've said from the get-go, like we've all had to water this beautiful vine that continually, you know, 
makes and builds more connections and gets bigger and bigger. And that takes a whole community of people watering and loving it. So I'm so grateful for that community and for all my people at Alpine Botanicals. Big shout out to the staff there (laughs) for holding it down while Mama Kate becomes Mama Kate. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. And many congratulations. I can't wait to meet your little wizard. And (laughs) oh my gosh, so exciting. And Thank you. Thanks so much, Sarah. And hopefully we chat again soon and maybe we could yes. do like a more garden and growing <gasps> cultivation focused Ooh, in the conversation at some point in, in the future. Ooh. Yeah, that would be super cool. That would be um, wonderful. Yeah. So if any of your listeners or community have like specific questions, that would be fun to, to put together. Yes. I love that idea. I'll definitely, I'll put that up and yeah, we can see where that goes, but I love the idea of reconnecting. Yeah. Um, after the babe is born and once things are growing and, or we can totally, see, yeah, past winter, I think would be a fun reconnection. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I'll be wearing the baby in the garden next summer. <laughs> oh, so exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. So thank you again. Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh, wonderful. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Please be sure to connect with Kate at Alpine Botanicals. That's the website.com or on Instagram, same handle, Alpine Botanicals. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Time in the Studio Podcast or my website, timeinthestudio.com. And yeah, you can download my little freebie. I made, it's pretty cute. It has some plant drawings on it and it's pretty fun. Oh, and I finished my 100 day project um, and started a new one of drawing plants. And yeah, it's going good. It's just beginning. So you can check that out at Sarah Marie Studio if you want on Instagram. And what else? Oh, I have one more episode next week. It'll be a solo episode, and then I'm taking a month off just to reflect, work on a book project, work on some uh, products, a product line I want to develop, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to having um, kind of the holiday season being a little bit more hermity, if that was even possible for me, and then I will be back in January, and with lots of great guests that I'm excited to already be chatting with and yeah it's going to be a great showcase once we reopen in January again so thanks so much for listening thanks for your support you can uh, support the podcast on patreon patreon.com slash time in the studio if you wanna Uh, I also have a really yummy sleep tincture there's still a few left if you want to get that that's um, available on my Etsy shop and link for that in the show notes. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Toodaloo.